the uh, Modern Family series that we are about to begin has uh, an awful lot to do. We, we had a, a survey among us a few days ago, a few weeks ago now, and so we took your responses and um, we appreciate you uh, participating in that, by the way, as, as uh, we, we look at this results, there's, there's some, a little difference in the pressures and, and the stresses that come against families. So when we um, take a look at our family, we, you know, the, this uh, neat thing, I think Nick is responsible for that. So if you don't like that, just beat the, tar- no, don't do that because he's a lot meaner than he looks. And if, if he can't handle you, why Brittany will. So, um, but I appreciate this so much. And I, with everyone else, do this double take when I walk in the sanctuary. And that's what a good job you've done, sir. But uh, in, in this church family, we have units that are all different kinds of ways of configurations a few years ago the um, the what is it the standard the traditional family mom dad two kids came into vogue i i don't know where that came from i didn't research that i did research the fact that it really never has quite been that way we would love it if uh Perhaps we would love it. I'm not sure we would. If you don't want to be married, that doesn't sound real great, does it? But um, those who came from a family sort of like that, we, we kind of hang on to that. But I was thinking about uh, doing some research, actually, for a sermon a few weeks ago. And in uh, World War II, there were about 10 million people died on both sides of the line. And that's just unthinkable. So there were a lot of families that were mom and dad that were just now mom when that war was over. I remember uh, I was a little tiny kid during that war. And uh, my dad pastored First Assembly in Lawton, Oklahoma. Lawton is the home of Fort Sill, the artillery center. And it was also a place where they had basic training for people going into that war. And, And one of these tall beautiful gals, probably, I don't know whether she was still a teenager or not, very young adult, uh, married a guy that was a conscientious objector. So he went into the war as a medic. He was totally given to patriotism, but he didn't want to shoot folks, and they killed him. Uh, And so here we have this widow, and and all of this stuff, back a couple hundred years ago in the U.S., people had a lot of kids. They'd have eight, 10, 12 kids, and maybe two, maybe three different moms, because moms didn't get the care then that they can get now, and they had so many more kids and any complication, and they they were just done, and maybe the infant survived, maybe they didn't. So our ideal has has, has been formed more out of, I think, wishful thinking in the traditional family with two parents and, and a few kids really, really never 
has been quite that way. Um, we, and of course, today we have single parents uh, with, with kids still at home, single parents with no kids at home. Uh, we have empty nesters. We have blended families. Uh, families are brought together in various ways. We have grandparents raising their grandkids and uh, great-grandkids. There are people who are married and don't want kids. And if you don't like kids, don't have kids, please. Okay? You say, well, the Lord said replenish the earth. Let somebody, some of the rest of us who love kids <laughs> take care of that. Because you make a lousy parent if you don't like kids. And uh, just ask any kid that, no, I'm, uh, and then, as I said earlier, there are some who don't want to be married. And uh, that's actually portrayed in scripture as superior. If you can handle your libido, okay? Just, the scripture's very blunt, very clear. If you can handle that, stay single. You can get more done for the kingdom of God. You never read that? You should read the book sometime. It's a good book. And if you can't read, you can get it on audio. I have it on a nano iPod. This little, this little thing is about, I mean, it is tiny. And, and it will hold jillion songs, I, I guess. I have the Old Testament and the New Testament in the NIV on that. And that's, <laughs> but it, that's what I want it for. I used to wag around these cassette tapes, you know, and the whole Bible cassette tapes to make a stack of cassettes about this tall and I can stick this little thing in a pocket and you wouldn't even see it so it's kind of nice to have that I advise you to do that with the scripture uh, now when you took that survey we we correlated your responses with a survey uh, that was conducted by Lifeway Christian Resources and uh, the Baptist Press published what these, this uh, Lifeway survey said in the top 10 issues to facing today's family, and we put our hours in with this and they all fit. But from that particular survey, the way they put it together was, number one is the anti-Christian culture. Number two is divorce. Number three is busyness. Number four, absent father figure. Number five, lack of discipline. Number six, financial pressures. Number seven, lack of communication. Number eight, negative media influences. Number nine, balance of work and family. Number 10, materialism. And so in the face of all of this, the normal, the traditional has changed. If it ever were really normal, it's not that way anymore because so we have divorce doing its thing there, and uh, many times then we add an outside second parent, which sometimes works wonderfully, but many times does not. Uh, by the way, I, I, uh, I have met a number of you who were so glad that your parents divorced and you got the step-parent that you got because you were so much better off. And I... That's just curious to me. Listen, folks, if you're going to get married, get serious, okay? And find out who God is, is giving to you as a mate, first of all. Get God's will. And then after that, stay really, really 
close to God and put the spouse ahead of your little thing so that the marriage can be strong. And if you have kids, then after your spouse, give the kids the first part of you. Kids, I mean, somebody. This is the way it works, and it will work well. And if it's your fourth marriage, do it right this time. What is the deal? Well, you know how she, you know, you should be married to her. <laughs> no, I shouldn't, uh, and you shouldn't either, but that's too late. Make it work. What is the deal? You know what it is? Let me just cut through the fat. It's about selfishness. And family will not work if selfishness reigns supreme. Will not work. I mean, you may stay in the same house, you may stay together, but you're just beating the tar out of each other. And if you're not from the southwest part of the U.S. and don't know what beating the tar out of means, uh, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing when you're on the receiving end of getting the tar beaten out of. So, what we have now is what God said. God said, I want this man and this woman... Let's just go there in Genesis, the second chapter, beginning halfway through the 20th verse. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man for this reason. And here is the commentary in Scripture about the foregoing historical account. For this reason, the way man and woman were made, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother. That's a whole subject. And if your parents are exerting influence in your marriage that is disruptive, cry out to God for help and find a way to get out from under that influence. I know it's easy for me to stand here and say it's hard to do. Move the, move the earth to get it done so you can have a real marriage. You leave father and mother and you unite with your wife and they will become one flesh powerful word from God. This is the way it is. This is his plan. Now, sin entered and just blew that wonderful situation sky high. God came down and visited with people, hung out with Adam and Eve every day. Can you imagine that? And they were in a state of spiritual life so that they could relate to God who is spirit. There was something about the way they were that is unlike the way we have become since then. They could relate to the Father and he hung out with them 
like a loving father and they worked. Work is not, you listen, ask Rolanda, work is not a curse. <laughs> Thank you, beautiful lady, for, for the, sharing that story. What an encouragement. But work is not a curse. The ground was cursed so that it would bring forth not only food, but also weeds. That's the curse. And so we have work as a gift, and they were working. God came down, and he would check out what they did, and it was good, and they had a good time. Some people think that went on for 100 years. We don't have any way of knowing that. But sin entered, and it messed it up. Now, God has, in Christ Jesus, brought together a plan to restore our relationship with the Father, first of all, so that there is a little bit of, of our spirit that comes alive. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but in Christ Jesus, we've been made alive, and we actually can fellowship with God. And let me say this, dear one, <clears throat> if you are not fellowshipping with God, just you and God alone, you're, you're going to have a real struggle getting God's plan into your family. It's going to be tough. One of the things that we learn to do when we are hanging out with God is to put somebody else before ourselves so that our agenda gets to take the backseat to God, and that becomes a teacher on how to put the family before ourself. <coughs> I, for, for 14 years, we lived uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, 54th Terrace, so it was about, it was close to this same uh, latitude, and a few miles west of here, and I got, a, I got acquainted with, with one of our neighbors, and they had a couple of little guys. One of them was just barely ambulatory. I mean, he was really small, and the other was a year or two older, and they were beautiful little guys. And Dad and a friend of his were out, and the kids wanted something, and Dad was just railing against these kids and how awful they were and what a pain they were, and I just wanted to hurt him. Now, that's not a good plan to follow through. I'm not suggesting you actually do that. If, you, if you're like I am, you can't help having that feeling. It's called a temptation. Don't make a sin out of it, okay? That's when you hit them. Don't do that. But that, it was like, what? Is this the way this family lives? Just railing at their kids? These poor little guys are just in tears all the time. They're always crying. Why wouldn't they? And I, I like little kids, so it's like <laughs> I want to just get them up in my arms and, and do a little dance and swing them around, you know, and, and kind of get their attention. And then you can begin to love on them and talk to them and tell them how important they are and how God loves them and all the stuff that goes into making kids what they ought to be and grow up and know God, love God, and walk with God and be a good parent themselves. What kind of a parent will those little guys be? They're grown now. The chances are that they have both fathered children. What a sad state of affairs. Now, that was mom and dad and a few kids. Traditional family doesn't mean squat. 
If we don't have God first, and that gives us the ability to put others first in our lives. The scripture says uh, a lot of things. Don't do this, don't do that. And, and one of them, it says, uh, I was just reading this morning in uh, Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council. And um, the translations into English are, are perfectly good there. If you haven't read that, they, they were being asked the question, how much of the law, if any, do you have to keep to be, to be a Christian? Now, these are Gentiles. They're not circumcised. And, and those, there were some, there was a whole group of the people that were from the Pharisee party that had believed in Jesus, but they just brought their legalism right over with them, and they wanted to make these Gentiles be circumcised and, and obey the law so they could be saved. And Paul had had this revelation from the Lord, and the Lord had, had made it very, very clear that no, it's, it is uh, by the grace of God activated by our faith that we are saved. And so they met, they met to consider this thing in, in the church council. It is recorded in Acts 15. And the outcome of that was the Holy Spirit worked through these people who were full of the Spirit themselves. And they made a list of stuff that they shouldn't do. And you need to stay away from idols. And you need to stay away from meat that's been strangled, blood, and, and you need to be sexually pure. No fornication, no adultery. Now, that's a short list. That's a very short list. I look at that list and I think, <laughs> we know how to add to it. Now, the scripture does add some things. The scripture does add some things. You know, it's like, uh, don't gossip tell the truth, all this kind of stuff. And uh, so the list gets a little longer in Scripture. But those people had such persecution that we sin less. Have you noticed when you sin less when you're under pressure? Have you noticed that? So they had enough persecution that a lot of these things, they they didn't have to say, don't do this and don't do that. Because pressure just brought it. And we, we are poised as a nation to, to get a little increased pressure. I don't know whether this is the time it will happen or not. But uh, it could happen. Uh, it, some religious liberties have been infringed upon by, by the government in recent times. And um, the new health care laws are mandating some things that are absolutely wrong for Christians to participate in. So it's going to be an interesting thing. If this is the time... This is the time. And uh, you'll find your prayer life better and your holiness life better if we get under pressure. No, I don't want pressure. I'm not masochistic at all. But the thing is, God has these things. So if we, if we put back to this Jerusalem council, what this is is just live for God. Put God, family and the church and it's God's work first. And this other stuff just will, will, is not a very big deal. So when we, when we come to say, what was God's plan for the family? God's plan was when a man and a woman marry, they stay married. 
That was his plan. He hates divorce. And if you've, if you've been victimized by divorce, you, you could probably add to what I'm saying because it's not funny. It's one of the most painful things that people go through. And I have, through the years, watched people who would lose a spouse to death and other people who would lose a spouse to divorce. The grieving seemed to be the same, only they could never get finality on the divorce thing because they were still fighting over the kids or whatever. And it, it's awful. So if you're going to get divorced, don't get married. It hurts too much. It's too hard on the kids. And if you have been divorced, you are the ones who know the pain. I don't really know the pain. I just know I've watched it from the outside and it's not a funny thing. God wants the home together. He wants it to be stable. He wants there to be physical support, emotional support. He wants the acceptance, the belonging, all of the stuff where we emotionally put our arms around each other, both the adults and the children, and make them know that somebody cares, that God loves them, and so forth. This is the will of God. This is, this is modern family or not, this is what God wants. Now, when Adam got Eve, he got a good thing. God said so. And that is, that is really special. And if you're single again or never married and you're looking for that spouse that God would say if you get them, that's good. Don't get in a rush. Let, let me just cut through one more thing here. We, in our sexual identity, in our personal identity, so many of us guys do not feel like we're a real male. Sir, I'm talking to you. Let me just get it in the second person. You don't feel like you're a real man unless there is this chick standing beside you. I know how that feels. I... I Dated as if there were no tomorrow. And, and as a matter of fact, I had had so many crushes on so many girls, I thought I, I didn't know how to fall in love. I just hadn't met the right one yet. And that was not a problem after I met her. But anyway, this... So if you should get single again, learn to pray as you have never prayed before. Get some guy friends who will help you pray this thing through and, and you can do fun things together. Um, all kinds, whatever your, whatever your likes are, whether it's sports or whatever, there are things you can do that are not sinful and won't compromise you and you won't have to run around finding a woman because there are little girls that will stand up beside you, but they'll charge you. And I'm not talking about a prostitute. It's just kind of the same system. And girls, this whole thing has taken turn the, the gender over. So many females are not real females if there's not this hunk standing here. 
are the closest thing to a hunk we can get to stand by us. But they'll charge you too. And you know what I'm talking about. Don't do that. It, it creates so much stress in your spiritual life. It could end you up in the wrong marriage again if you're single again by reason of divorce. And I just want to cut through this so that we're not, we don't have to wonder what I'm saying. If you're divorced and you are rejecting yourself because of that or you think you're second class, let me tell you that when you come to Jesus Christ, if you weren't saved before, you get saved, you're brand new. If you were saved and then you got divorced, you're just stuck. No, that's, that's not true. You know what you do? Call it a sin. But it wasn't my fault. Just call it a sin because that's what God forgives and treats it as if it never happened. Folks, we, we get so holy, man, bless God, and, and we, have to, we have to defend everything we ever did, and two-thirds of it stinks. Don't defend your wrong stuff. You say, it really wasn't my fault, Pastor. It, you, I mean, I, I think sometimes you're cute, and you're not being very cute this morning, but it really wasn't my fault. God hates divorce, and somehow you got caught in that deal. Call it. Call it so you can get over it and be free from it. Is that too easy? That's called the grace of God. God saves us not because we never had any sin. You don't need to be saved if you never sinned. Do you, hear, do you see how we do that? Or we, we classify well, this sin, but not divorce, or whatever, whatever. You know the cross of Jesus Christ is the picture of God embracing every sin. And the scripture speaking about him says, the Lord laid on him the iniquity, the iniquity, except divorce. The iniquity of us all. What is your sin? It's not divorce. Maybe you, maybe you committed adultery. Would you please just call it a sin and ask for forgiveness? And then in relating to God, act as if you never did it because that's what he's doing. He is capable of healing his memories. He can forget your sins. He fixed it in Christ Jesus so that that would be nailed to the cross and we are done with that. Honey, that will change everything. If that ever gets hold of those of you who suffer from guilt, who call yourself second class, whatever your deal is, that you're just not up totally one with the Father through Christ Jesus. If you're not there yet, God has help for you. He has good news for you. This church is a place where God gets through to blockheads like us, like you, who have these wrong ideas. And he wants us to be free. He wants our spirits to soar. He wants us to be able to sit in the heavenlies with him. 
and it's fun. I tried it once, it's great. I'm gonna try it again sometime. Good thing. So, what if you find yourself in less than the ideal situation? If you have sinned for goodness sakes, call it a sin, ask God to forgive you, accept it every time the thought of it comes back rather than saying, oh, I'm such an awful sinner. We know that. God has tried to forget that, but you keep reminding him. Instead of saying that, start praising God and saying, Lord, there is the accuser accusing me of stuff that has been paid for by death. Death on a cross. It's been paid for. It's done. It has no power. Hallelujah. Let's receive that. Rejoice in it. And and let's just, let's go. I I put in three different translations, Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the sermon outline. I don't know whether I'm going to use them all. I, I I grew up with the King James, and it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye, that's plural of you, ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. My favorite translation of this is the Phillips. And it says, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God. I beg you, brothers, as an act, I bet you, (laughs) I didn't didn't have this in my Bible program. I had to type it myself. Now you know why we don't pay me to type. I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. That is such a picture. We in our culture respond to what the world says so many times long before we respond to what scripture says and the scripture says resist that you will not be able to fit in i know we want to fit in to to have a friendship so we can lead people to jesus that's extremely important do not take on their values if they had the right values you're witnessing to the wrong person don't Let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. It will tell you it's okay to do whatever you want as long as you want it. If you really feel that way, I respect the way you feel. You know, I may lie to you and say I respect the way you feel. But if you know better, you need to begin to deal with your feelings in the presence of God because not only do we have to deal with what's right, we have to deal with how we feel about what's right. And God will heal that. It's a, it's a process. Some, for some of us, it's a lifelong thing. I'm still working on it. But it's better and better year after year. Because God intends for us to have his will. So, 
you don't have the traditional family that, that I'm not quite sure was ever really quite that way, but there were a lot of them, okay? We'll say that. You don't have that. You're single and you've got kids. You've, you're uh, married and, and have a blended family, uh, whatever. Submit to God. Submit to God. You know what we do? We hold on to stuff that we did in the past and make ourselves second class. That way we don't have to obey all the scripture. Oh, yes, you do. I've watched you do it. And I recognized it. It's very familiar to me. So you got to get over it. You knew that was coming. Get over it. You're, you're not second class. God doesn't have such a thing. If you are not first class in Christ Jesus, you're going to go to hell. That's comforting, isn't it? He said, well, I, I, I think I missed God's will. I was supposed to be a preacher, and I submit to God. Submit to God. See, we want to go back and fix the past. That's not possible. Your fantasies and mine, notwithstanding, you can't fix the past as far as changing it. If you hurt someone, you can go and apologize and try to be reconciled. You can seek forgiveness, all of that stuff, but you can't change history. It is not like American history that can be rewritten. It's done. So, what is God going to do? Well, I'm, look what you did. I'm sorry. So you committed the unpardonable sin. Is that what the deal is? No, you didn't. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't give a rip. You didn't do the unpardonable sin. By the way, I polled our congregation once. I was suffering so much from guilt. This was in Duncan, Oklahoma. And, and I polled the congregation. How many had thought that they were they had committed the unpardonable sin, and it was probably 85%. And it's like, and I thought I was the only one that suffered like this. And I found out you're just as bad off as I am, and that's terrible. But God heals that. He heals that. Hallelujah. And so if you find yourself in less than somebody's ideal, get close to God and just get his ideal. He will take where you are and who you are and make you better and better and better. We had a family the other day that had a kid that was struggling and we had a prayer with that little child. Now, the story's not over. We will have more prayers and the parents and others who love that child will have more prayers, but that that business, we just work with what we have and where we are and give it to God and he makes it holy. You didn't hear that. You can have a holy family. I don't care how you got it together. You may have broken up two or three marriages to get where you are. You may be the culprit. And we're going to forgive you right after we punch you right in the nose. No, you see that... If you hold on to that, then you don't have to be holy. You don't have to surrender to God because you're just too down the list. I'm not going to let us leave here with that mistake running through our minds. 
you are not second class. God loves you. You may be the meanest person that we, and we really don't know you because I don't think the meanest person that ever lived is here. But, but it, by the way, it was Jesus after the Garden of Gethsemane. He was made to be sin. He knew no sin, but he was made to be sin. So I, I have met the meanest person, and you're not he. But you may think that, you may feel that, the enemy comes in and you just buy into it and those accusations. I'm here today to tell you that God loves you, forgives you, wants to get you up on his lap and heal you to the extent that you will be that one who can do whatever God called you to do. I was called to go to Africa when I was a kid, maybe you're lying and then I just screwed my life up and it'll never happen. Why don't you take that to God and see what he says? He's not going to let you use that as an excuse anymore. Now that's point number one. Point number two is this. Some of you have prayed for kids and you tried to raise them right and they don't do right. Now I know there's no one here like that. It's like... If your kids just grow up and just love God and live for God, you're probably the richest person in town because everybody else has to strain and struggle and it improves their prayer life as their kids age. And then they get grandkids and blah, blah, blah. I want to encourage you today that there is a break coming. There is a break coming. I think it's close. I got the feeling that I was praying earlier today that the break is close for some of you who have done all you know to do with these kids. I don't, if you have to be a perfect parent for your kids to live for God, none of us, our kids are going to live for God, okay? I, I tried as hard as a parent as anybody I know, and it's like, just thinking back, it's like, oh no, I didn't do that. But it's done. Some stuff was bad enough, I apologize to the kids, and they've been gracious enough to lie and say they forgive me. But you're not a perfect parent. Don't, you see what the enemy does? If you weren't perfect, then he, God can't save your kid. Huh? <laughs> I hope I'm in your face. I hope I'm in your hair. Because we, we have promises. We have victorious stuff. We have stuff that will just release. And our kids can just act crazy. You guys know the story of my brother who was raised in a really godly home. And they, my parents, mom was pretty well perfect. Dad was close. <laughs> and this guy took a left turn for 30 years. And he's a crazy, stinking radical for Jesus now. He's a Pentecostal. He and Dad got together the other day and decided that we'd all go up in the rapture together. Dad's 98, in case you don't know it. That's just the That's who he is. But, it, boy, that's a huge change. It happened... The, it's, it was happening the day that we dedicated this building. He said, right over here, and cried through an, the entire dedication service. Now, you don't cry at dedication services, Okay. 
but he did because the Holy Spirit had him by the collar and was pulling him right up in the face of God. And he wasn't tougher than the Holy Spirit. And your kid's not either. Your kid is not tougher than the Holy Spirit. Don't do it yourself. Do it in your prayer closet. And I want to have a prayer with you before we go today. Because some of you have suffered and your kids are not doing what they ought to do. And it really hurts. <laughs> there is victory. There is victory for you. There is victory for you. Before we have that prayer, I'd like you to bow your heads if you would please. And if you're not walking with the Lord, this is the time to get with the Lord and say, I'm going to walk with him if he will give me the strength. If he'll come into me and give me life, I'm going to go with him. And if that's who you are, just raise your hand. You don't need to say anything at this point. We'll have a prayer with you in just a moment. I'm not walking with God. I need, I need him. I need him in my life. I'm looking for your upraised hand. Hallelujah. And let me say to you that perhaps should have raised your hand that God is, is out to get you and it's not with this great big long arm with an iron fist to just smash you. He is out to get you to pull you up on his lap and love you, heal you, make you know that you belong to him. You belong to him. So before this day is over, would you just cry out to God and say, God, I need you. And when you do that, ask his forgiveness. Ask him to come into your life. He'll do that. And you will never be the same. Believe it. Just believe that he does that. Because he does that. And then walk with him. Hallelujah. I want to, I want to do something. Just look up here at me, please. We have prayer for each other from time to time. And it is so, it is so great to stand with people who love us and who care. And I was going to have the, I was going to have those of you who have a kid or more who is not walking with the Lord. I was just going to have you come. But you know, in the first place, all of us have people in our heart. And it might be your kids. I know there's some of your kids I call their name every day. Every day. I don't call them as much as you do, but, but once a day. And so I think I'd like for us to all come as a statement that we believe God changes recalcitrant. You know recalcitrant. Stubborn refusal to follow whatever's right. God saves them. He saves them without you doing it. Now, I want to save them, okay? I know you. I know you want to save them. We want to fix them. No, you keep the door open. You keep the relationship good. As, as good as it will be allowed to be kept, you do that, 
because probably the Lord will send someone else to get them. And you'll be so tickled because it's all the same. It's all the same. And if I, if I came across too hard on some of you who have been through the tragedy of divorce or you've lost someone through death, I, 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 want, to, I want you to forgive me because I am for you, not against you. I don't want us to use those things as an excuse to not do right with God and be right with Him. But honey, He, he is the God of today and tomorrow. That's who He is. He's really the God of today. Because that's all we have. And He loves you. And Jesus is about your forgiveness and your freedom. And the power of the Holy Spirit is about your power. And so what is your... What's wrong with you? Well, I did so and so. No, 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 no. That's in Jesus. What's wrong with you? Well, and I hope you're stuttering. <laughs> because God loves you. Would you stand with me? And will you guys just all crowd up here? And I want us to pray for these who, whose kids are, are not doing what they ought to do. One or, more, one or more of their kids are just off the charts as far as just living right, doing right, just come on in. This is for everybody. This is for everybody. We're going to stand together. We're going to pray together. We're going to believe God together. Because the answer for the modern family, the modern family has all kinds of forms. It's all different shapes. But the real deal is the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through every, every member of that family. That's the real deal. If you guys would just crowd on in a little bit more so that the guys in the aisles can get a little closer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.